Welcome to Teen Talk News. I'm Phil Cross, co-director of the Epic News Network, a journalism program for the students of Epic Charter Schools. Joining me today, uh, Solomon, Jensen, Devin, Max, and Anya. We're going to be talking about the, the big stories this week, and we're going to start it off with COVID-19. Obviously, we've been talking about this for a long time. We've really been talking about it for a year, and today, actually, as we're recording this, I believe it's been one year since this was officially declared a pandemic. A year ago, even uh, even at that point when it was declared a pandemic, there was some fear here, but I don't think we all fully recognize, I know I sure didn't, what the next year or what a pandemic would look like. Did any of you expect what happened following that pandemic announcement? I think we all kind of had the expectation that it was just going to be, you know, a two-week um state mandated quarantine and then life was going to go back to normal. I don't think anybody ever expected this to continue on for as long as it has. Um, it's just, it's all a bit overwhelming when you think about it in retrospect. I know that I didn't think that anything would really badly happen. Um, I kind of treated it as vacation for the first like month or so before actually kind of realizing, oh, this is happening. Oh no. Well, I didn't, I didn't expect this type of thing either. I mean, I knew that I knew that it was something going on over in China, but I didn't think it would result in I didn't think it would result to the whole world being in a pandemic. I didn't think it would be as bad as it actually is. And this is kind of something unprecedented. You know, we've never seen anything like this. So I don't think anybody really knew how to gauge their response. Uh, because when you're in the moment, and you know, you're being told, oh, okay, y'all are gonna, you know, have like a two week quarantine period. And then we were being reassured by former President Trump that yes, life would go back to normal after um, this two week period. And this this is something that we've just never seen in our world before, a, you know, a global pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I think it was it was all a bit hard to gauge our response and uh, really realize how how what a big scale this was on, like how how massive this was. I, I, I don't I don't know what to add at the moment. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. It, it really sums up just everybody's confusion and, and the craziness that surrounds this whole situation. All right. So here's some news that uh, has just kind of come out online. On Friday, Governor Kevin Stitt announced that he is going to issue an executive order on Friday, taking away all COVID-19 restrictions on gatherings and will remove the state, the mask mandate for Oklahomans inside state buildings. He said wearing a mask is a personal choice and should not be made mandatory. So we've still got some uh, developing news on that front. Uh, This kind of follows uh, Texas's uh, decision to remove all all COVID restrictions for that state as well. Are we at that point where we can where we can safely stop wearing masks and stop our social distancing? And Um, I honestly don't think we are Um, currently for Oklahoma. um, Currently, 21.2 percent of the population in Oklahoma has one dose and only 12.1 percent has two doses which means they're fully vaccinated. So I don't think we're anywhere near the amount that we should be at to safely do that because once we do open it and take away the restrictions and all that, the cases are most are pretty much guaranteed to spike and I don't think that's a good idea. I, I, I agree with that. It's not it doesn't it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really feel like a good idea to start reopening things at this moment while we're still dealing with this. 
Um, I think in part why COVID vaccination numbers are so low in our state is because we have a lot of widespread fear in the community of how the vaccine um, will affect people after the second dose. Um, Because I know I've talked to a lot of people personally who are unsure of receiving a quote unquote rushed vaccine, you know, something that was kind of rushed to get out and um, be administered to the general public. Uh, So I think that might in part be contributing to why we're seeing like such low numbers in, in vaccination and everybody having like the entire vaccination. Um, well, I think, I don't think we should really like, I mean, I don't think that we should like kind of stop, not necessarily stop taking this seriously, but I think we should continue to go the way that we've been going because like the, I, I, the way that I see it, that the numbers are going down because people haven't really been, people have finally learned that this is not a joke. And I think we need to stay on that road until we can finally get everybody vaccinated and make also make sure that the vaccinations work. Devin in the chat, his mic isn't working, but he points out that we, you know, we still need a lot more people to be vaccinated. And there's still over 300 people hospitalized right now, uh, even though hospitalizations are down, infection rates are down. But as Jensen point is, uh, points out as well, we did have, you know, the snowstorm as well. I don't know if it's, you know, Solomon, you say that people are starting to take this seriously, and I think they really are after we saw the really disastrous December and January. But weather may have also helped play a part in our current decline in infections. Well, I, 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 I do believe that also had a, had a, had a part to play in this because, like, if you can't, if you can't get out on the road, you can't go anywhere. And unless somebody in your inner circle has it, you can't really get it. So that's obviously that also helped a lot with it. Uh, Yeah. I was just in relation to that. I was just going to say that we're seeing a lot of widespread fear in the community. And I don't know much how much of that is based uh, in science or is based in personal fear. Um, But we're seeing a lot of mistrust in in doctors and other health officials because this last year has been so bad uh, with regards to the pandemic. And um, something else that's that's uh, interesting that I wanted to bring up is that Biden is going to have a speech tonight. um, Thursday night speech expected to last about 20 minutes. And it will hopefully focus on the second wave of pandemic relief. And, you know, I think the real question is, what will the second wave of pandemic relief look like in our withered economy? Because, um, you know, the last relief package was $600 stimulus check. And, um, you know, people need more than $600 for a single stimulus check to get by. $600 won't even cover rent in the majority of Oklahoma City apartments uh, unless you're living in Section 8. So uh, I really hope that Biden focuses more on um, providing a larger relief plan. So. I heard a little bit about the new stimulus check in passing. I haven't heard that much about it, seen that much about it. So you kind of got hit it right on the nail. I, I haven't heard a lot about it. I've just, I've just heard that it's happening. I haven't really heard that much about it either, besides the fact that it's going to happen. Well, do you guys have friends or family who have struggled during this past year, who have been faced with layoffs uh, or lost jobs due to the pandemic? Uh, I will say I have seen a personal effect from it. My dad lost his job as a result of the pandemic. And um, yeah, everything is okay for the most part. Uh, It's just near the end of the month where, you know, people start struggling a lot more with 
uh, covering the bills, covering food expenses, covering electric expenses. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see that I've seen a personal effect from how this pandemic is has affected everyone. So my family and I, thankfully, we haven't seen that much of an effect on it. I have, we've gotten, we've gotten COVID, but we haven't, thankfully, we haven't lost our jobs or anything. So we're probably one of the lucky ones. No, my, my family hasn't been affected either. We've, we've always, we've all been like, we've all just been kind of surviving through this whole thing. Uh, I was just going to say that it's definitely had a widespread effect on the community that you can, you can see in, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not really sure where I was going with that. Anything to add, Max? <laughs> we haven't really been affected financially or anything like that. So we've we've just we've we've just been simply following the 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 rules about it. That's that's pretty much all you can do sometimes. Um, Max, you did point out earlier today that you were set to get your second dose. I believe you. Um, of the vaccine, how does that feel? How are you feeling about that? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little excited about it. Do you think it'll open up more opportunities for you to, you know, get out in the community and participate without having the fear of getting COVID? As long as it's not huge crowds, uh, maybe. Moving on to the other big topic hitting Oklahoma City, particularly right now is yesterday it was announced, or earlier this week it was announced, that five police officers in Oklahoma City are facing first-degree manslaughter charges for the shooting death of a 15-year-old during an attempted armed robbery. Uh, you guys have read the articles on this. Someone uh, kind of sum up exactly what was, uh, what was going on in this case. There was a robbery, um, and there was a young man, a young Hispanic man, who was accused of Robbing, robbing a convenience store, I believe, and he was shot to death by uh, five OKC police department officers. Um, Devin says that the officers said he was reaching for another weapon. Um, that could be a probable cause as to why he was shot. I'm not saying that that in any way justifies his death, but um, I think that pretty much sums it up to the best of my abilities. Well, it's not... I'm I'm not really sure how to add on to it. I mean, it's not it is sad to see. I mean, after everything we've witnessed in the past year, we're still having to go through this type of thing. Minorities are always being killed or persecuted and everything like everything like that. It's not it's it's really sad to see. To provide some context uh, to this discussion, one you had uh, a case where this young man, he was 15 years old, uh, obviously appears that he was involved in something illegal, but whenever he did comply initially with the request to turn over his weapon because he lifted it out with a thumb and forefinger of you know his non-dominant hand uh, and put it, the weapon down, uh, it reminds me of a similar case many years – several years ago where a Dell City police officer had – there was a small, a short chase, a police chase, and it was a, a suspect that this officer had had several personal interactions with. He searched him, pulled his weapon off of him, and then the uh, the young man tried to run, and the officer uh, shot him in the back. And that, uh, and that was a, another Oklahoma County District Attorney decision to charge that police officer with manslaughter, and he was convicted, and uh, I believe he served some time because there are rules of engagement for police officers. We had another one, uh, another one recently where the DA charged police for shooting for another fatal shooting because the suspect, according to the video evidence, the suspect was uh, fleeing from police at the time, and we have case history and legal precedent that says you. 
officers are not allowed to shoot uh, a fleeing suspect unless they have reason to believe that they are uh, truly uh, going to be harming other people or other people are in danger. So there are there is uh, there is a precedent to this kind of a criminal case, and I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how it plays out. Uh, yeah, I don't. Sorry, I just wanted to jump in real quick and say um, that I don't think the use of lethal force was justified in this case, seeing as how he was complying with the officer's command and, you know, attempting to discard his weapons. Um, And yes, he was engaging in an illegal activity, you know, obviously robbery. That's not good. You can't do that. You should know better. But I don't think that um, that the taking of his life was necessary in this case. I have some more information on the officers involved. So for the first shot, what that was shot, um, was fired was by Sergeant Sarah um, Carley. She fired a first non-lethal shot. So, um, and in the autopsy, it says that most shots were below, <laughs> um, were below the, um, above the waist. So I'm assuming that she was aiming for like a leg or something. Um, I can't say for certain though. So, but then um, the the office, other officers followed afterwards, and he ended up so. And then he ended up with thirteen um, bullet wounds in the autopsy, and it says that he most of them were above his waist, but um, spanning from his head to his feet, with the majority of the shots above his waist. And any one of those wounds could have been life-threatening, but the compound of serious wounds by pistols and assault rifles gave the youth little chance of survival. The the head wound damaged his brain. One shot severed his spinal cord, and another severed a major artery. So, yeah, he... It was not cool. Um, And then in a statement... Let me find it real quick. Let me scroll back through here. It's... The report says what is clear in the body-worn camera videos that lethal shot kill- that killed Rodriguez happened shortly after Sergeant Sarah Cowley fires the less, than, the less lethal round that struck Rod- Rodriguez. The report says that when Rodriguez crawled out of the drive through window, officers began sim- simultaneously giving him varying commands. Yeah, I think in uh, these Anya? cases we have to ask ourselves... I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I think in these cases, we have to ask ourselves if the officers in the moment shot with intent to kill or if they were only intending to, you know, wound the suspect. Um, Because shot to the spinal cord, that's that's pretty lethal. (laughs) Um, Well, it should be noted in police training uh, for these situations. It is shoot to kill. It is shoot until there is no continuing threat. Uh, while it may seem like that's a lot of gunshot wounds, there are the the police training and procedures that they go by are aim for center mass, which would be above the waist, which is where they're going, and continue to fire until the person is no longer a threat. Uh, I believe the defense in this case will be that uh, his hands were in his back pocket where he had a cell phone, it appears. The argument I believe that they will make will be that they believed he was reaching for a second weapon. Uh, however, uh, I think the prosecution's argument is going to be that he had complied with discarding his first weapon. The, the video is pretty clear that the way he was holding it was uh, not in a threatening manner. And I think it's also going to come down to whether police officers were following the training and the commands that he was be- being given. If you know, you've got one person saying, and this is completely hypothetical, but if you have one officer saying, put your hands up, another one saying, empty your pockets – then we're going to have, you know, conflicting type of commands going to a suspect. And, and that may be that may be where this case uh, hinges on is what 
were they doing? Was he do, complying with police orders or at least one of the orders that he was given? And were those orders contradictory to each other? I think this is going to be an interesting case to watch to see the future of uh, police engagement with citizens. And while that may be kind of a depressing uh, note to end on, we are about out of time for today. For Solomon, Jensen, Devin, Max, and Anya, I'm Phil Cross. And thank you for tuning in to Teen Talk News this week. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk with you next time. 